Welcome to WikiWeek, where we unpack a popular, trending, or interesting Wikipedia page. Hi, well, Chaz. Hey. Welcome uh, back. Hey, yeah, welcome back, audience. Welcome back. I hope you've enjoyed what we've done so far. So far, we've done kind of pop culture-y stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, some movies and things and so, an actor, mm-hmm. right? Now, this week, we're going to get a little more serious. We're going to buckle down. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah. We'll see how this goes <laughs> on a more serious topic. Uh, so I noticed that this uh, this name spiked last week um, as I was just trying to keep my eye on, on things. Um, and the name is Ed- Edward Snowden. Mm-hmm. Edward Snowden, the famous whistleblower. And I thought that could be a really interesting person to talk about. So um, that's what we're going to do. Edward yeah. Snowden. Now, Chaz, you're super well-versed on <laughs> Edward Snowden, right? Uh, yeah, super, super, super. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. Yeah, I you didn't know who that was when I brought it. Up I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea. Okay. I haven't, I haven't watched, listened to, or read the news in probably ten years. Oh wow, <laughs> that's awesome. I'm glad we're uh, so. I, I should audience. I probably shouldn't admit that. Yeah, <laughs> well, you're. Yeah, you're learning from some really well-informed guys. Here. <clears throat> well, that's. You know, I don't. I don't really watch the news all that much either. If I'm being completely honest, but I do. I do try to keep my finger on the pulse of kind of what's what's going on out there, right? You are Which my I, new. You are my news source. Oh gosh, that's horrible. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I figure if that explains if, so much. If it's important enough for me to know, mm. I'll hear it from you. Oh well, okay. Uh, so just rife with misinformation. <laughs> well, okay. So so Edward Snowden. Then let's 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 get into this. Edward Snowden's fascinating guy. All right. Okay. Ready? Oh, uh, by the way, we're, we're on episode four for week 44 of the year 2019. Yes. Yeah. Episode four. I don't know if people really know that, but uh, let's just throw it in at the beginning of these things for now. It might keep it, help us keep, stay on track, right? Yeah. Okay. Edward Snowden. Ready? Ready. Here we go. Edward Joseph Snowden, born June 21st, 1983. So he's just a little bit less than a year uh, younger than me. Basically, we're the same age. We were, we're basically the same age, Edward Snowden and myself. Okay. So I found myself relating to Edward Snowden quite a bit here. Well, uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Is <clears throat> an American whistleblower who copied and leaked highly classified information from the National Security Agency, or NSA, in 2013 when he was a Central Intelligence Agency, so a CIA employee and subcontractor. His disclosures revealed numerous global surveillance programs, uh, many run by the NSA, and the Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance, with the cooperation of telecommunication companies and European governments, and prompted a culture uh, discussion about national security and individual privacy. Did all that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, he's a whistleblower, right? Yeah. And uh, he leaked, for lack of a better phrase, right? Most of these... Uh, so, Thousands, really, of documents to uh, reporters, to um, uh, to uh, journalists. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, because he felt uh, morally motivated to do so. He's a, he's a really interesting guy. So it may help to back up a little bit here and 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 look at why he's kind of he kind of spiked on the Wikipedia okay. chart. Well, uh, what did he what did he leak? What type of information so okay and and obviously i'm no expert in this but i've almost finished his book 
doing my due diligence with this. So what's he, what's his book called? His book is called uh, Permanent Record. Okay. Permanent Record, which. And this was written after 2013. I'm guessing. Yeah, it was written. Um, uh, yeah, just recently. I think I want to say it came out earlier this year. Okay. Um, so I think. Uh, yeah. See. Let's see. September 17th, 2019. His memoir permanent record was published so yeah not too long ago okay um and uh it was uh kind of a big deal edward snowden you know he's i think he's a slightly elusive character he doesn't do a ton of interviews um and he explains a lot of the reasoning as to why in his book um mostly because he he feels like he needs a longer format to talk about what he wants to talk about to do anything you know to do the subject justice um, so he, anyway, he wrote this book and it was, it's fascinating. Um, you know, he's not the government's favorite person in the world. He's really, he's basically, he's not in hiding, but he's, um, he's, he's, he's living almost in exile, like in, in Russia right now. He's living in Moscow, Russia. Um, oh, really? yeah. And he's not technically a, um, a refugee there any longer. I think he did have refugee status for a time. But now he's uh, he's living on what's basically a visa, and I think it's good till roughly 2020. So, you know, he's, he's he can't be there permanently. So he's living in Russia. Yeah. But where where is he from? He's from America. So he's he's an American guy. Uh, yeah. So um, he was born in Elizabeth City, uh, North Carolina. Okay. Uh, into a family that was uh, primarily. Um, you know, they worked for the government. His dad uh, worked for the um, Coast Guard. Um, his mother has worked for numerous agencies in and out of the, the government. Um, uh, and um, yeah, so he, he grew up. He grew up around bases and um, kind of with you know uh, the government lifestyle. Coming from his parents, you know, just just that's the way he was raised. He he's he grew up around government. Um, so it's, it's, it's a really interesting story, um, about how he eventually gets connected to government and kind of finds, finds himself, even, even though he didn't even graduate from high school, by the way, he went back and eventually got his GED, but this guy hmm. eventually found himself, um, having an in and, and working up his, the, the ranks, you know, uh, being basically a fancy IT guy for the, for the government <clears throat> and finding himself eventually in a position, uh, where he had access to insane amounts of highly classified materials okay so we'll we'll di- I, I mean i i always said we'll dive into that and then we end up not diving into it but in a nutshell i he, hope this gets into aliens well it 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 might slightly really only a little bit. Oh, okay not as much as <laughs> i think both of us were hoping it would <clears throat> okay um, i was i was mostly joking but i i I Actually, would love that. I think that's part of the reason he spiked a little bit on. Okay, okay. I'm just going to jump right, right to to some of this. He was recently on the Joe Rogan Experience, the podcast. Okay, okay. So apparently, he didn't even know who Joe Rogan was. If you go back and listen to that episode, on yeah, Joe, Joe Rogan's he's just starting out, climbing the charts, right in the podcast world. Joe Rogan? Oh <laughs> I'm yeah, just sure. I was, ah, I was going to pick up your sarcasm. He's, I'm like, oh. he's uh, he's catching up to us. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Good luck, Joe Rogan. You'll make it someday. <laughs> So, yeah, so uh, Edward Snowden's fans, his followers, have really been uh, prompting him to go on the Joe Rogan experience, and he finally was like, okay, all right, all right, uh, let me look up who this Joe Rogan character is. He even know who okay. he was. He looked up his, his uh, you know, he saw his logo for his podcast. First and foremost, it's an interesting it's logo. It's crazy. Yeah, it scares me is the way bit. It's scary looking. <laughs> it's this guy who's, like, screaming. He's got, like, an eyeball yeah. in the middle of his head, you know, and it's, yeah. like, all this monochromatic weird color thing with, like, a star or something. It is not... 
very inviting. What isn't I there, isn't there a pot leaf on it too? I think there is. Oh, there could be. There could be. I didn't even know. So there's a lot going on with that logo. Though yeah. I'll tell you what. And uh, not I not a great. Uh, representation of what the show is i don't think exactly it's a really good show that's it's what a- i think so intriguing right yeah. and i remember i told dad you know hey i think you should try the joe rogan experience <laughs> i think you'd find it really interesting <laughs> i like it because I, I think he's a very um i think he tries to really let people talk yeah yeah he's really good he's a really good interviewer he's a great interviewer. He's open-minded very open-minded but he right? also he also will ask Tough questions, too. Sure. Yeah. He's not afraid to ask tough questions. Yeah. It's questions that uh, I think a lot of us would be nervous to ask, right? And sure. we're like, oh, God, I'm glad he asked that question because I was wondering the same thing. Yeah. I don't think I would have had the guts to ask that question. Uh, uh, so, yeah. So, Everson and I looked him up. was very turned off by the logo. And all, he said, yeah, it almost didn't happen because of that. But then he started listening to his podcast. And especially it was, I guess, his, his Joe Rogan's interview with Bernie Sanders. Um, that he uh, he's just said, you know, I appreciate that you gave him the opportunity to talk because most people don't even give Bernie Sanders the time of day. They don't let him talk. They want a soundbite. Um, and he said that was kind of what what led him to uh, allowing himself to be interviewed on this. Oh, interesting podcast. Okay. And, and, and no doubt it was also to publicize his book, right? Sure. Which had come out not too long ago. But on his show, what made a lot of uh, interesting news was he talked about. To uh, to Joe Rogan, who is a big Alien fan, right? He wants the aliens to be real so badly, right? Yeah. So uh, it, he he talks to him. Uh, as said, do I. As do I. <laughs> <laughs> and he's but he but he talks to him and he says and he says well that is one of the things I search for I search for uh, uh, the aliens and he's like you know what I couldn't find anything that says we're hiding anything uh, and he basically said it, there could be in there I mean there we could be you know maybe I, I didn't have access maybe to everything mm-hmm. um, but if they're hidden they're really well hidden yeah uh, and he said and I searched the moon landing he's like we really did land on the moon um, and he's and he said what else was there I think maybe the JFK assassination well, the shadows are off though yeah oh yeah, right <laughs> and the flags rippling in the breeze there's no breeze in space <laughs> Sorry, conspiracy theorists out there. I don't mean to belittle. Maybe, yeah, maybe I do a little bit. I'm not really a conspiracy theorist. Would you consider yourself? Conspiracy no, I, I wouldn't consider myself a conspiracy theorist, but I do enjoy them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> They're immensely interesting, yeah, right? Yeah. And and part of what's so interesting to me is okay. So I have this little litmus test that I do with people. All right. Like when when we get far enough into conversations and I'm comfortable enough with people, one of my favorite things to kind of lead the discussion towards yeah. is the conspiracy theories. Because uh-huh. I think you can learn so much about a person based on their beliefs about conspiracies. Right. Like, you can learn, like, oh, this person doesn't think we landed on the moon. Oh, he's one of those people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, oh, you, you really, you think Lee Harvey Oswald didn't act alone. Hmm. <laughs> you learn a lot more about the people uh, and their beliefs about conspiracy theories and you do ever about the conspiracy itself right sure. i mean nobody really has anything to add yeah. at least not that i've found yeah it's the same it's it's the same reason i ask people like what what music they like what tv shows they like yeah you, know, you, you get to know the person through through all that that's probably a much better way to figure out who a person is and no kind of learn somebody no that's uh, my conspiracy weird thing is, it's, so it's, what do you think about Lee Harvey <laughs> what do you think about flat earth yeah oh what do you think that is what well, that would be very eye opening, right? I mean, talk about okay. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole right now. Let's let's try and stay somewhat on track. Okay. Oh boy. But so yeah. Anyway, but I mean, that's part of what to me makes Edward Snowden. I don't even think that it's a question whether or not what he's done and and uh, is is believable or not. Like we have to believe anything because he he leaked these classified do- documents, which 
I, I mean, it seems to me like there's nobody questioning whether or not these are authentic. You know, he's uh, they're they're the real deal. Um, so, okay, in a nutshell, it, it helped the overall overriding context of, of what has really put Edward Snowden on the map, okay? Mm-hmm. And this is what I think a lot of people are missing. Okay, he leaked some documents, blah, blah, blah. Well, what did he leak? Like, what, what Edward Snowden, at least is what I'm seeing, what he really did was he discovered that post 9-11, um, the government was very embarrassed by the fact that this happened right under their noses and there were there was evidence out there there was there were communications between mm. the terrorists and, and there was chatter and they didn't stop it right, right. they kind of had egg on their face for lack of a better phrase right they're very embarrassed so there were these uh at, at that time and you remember i mean you remember september 11th you were old enough you remember what it was like yeah i was yeah. in eighth grade eighth grade Right, I was be knowing enough to be scared. Yeah. Knowing enough to be scared, right? It was yeah. at the very least super freaky, right? Yeah. We everyone knew it was a big deal. So, so you got to understand, of course, under that uh, kind of environment in that time, everyone was freaked out, yeah. and and um, the executive, uh, you know, the, the president, um, uh, the executive branch, they they were excuse me freaked out too, and they were doing things that I don't think in in, in any normal circumstance. They would they would do or they'd feel comfortable with. Um, so what he discovered was that basically there was this uh, and, and and the government term for it when when you see it actually in the documents I think they call it bulk surveillance. Okay, they don't like to use the word mass surveillance because that's uh, kind of a um, uh, it's a phrase that just doesn't sound very good to, for whatever reason to them. So they use this okay. idea of bulk surveillance. So what this ends up being this what this evolves into is. The government, behind closed doors, very much against the Constitution, has decided what we really want to do is, is um, surveil, do surveillance on everybody. Mm. It's not just a person who um, we think could be guilty of something. Okay. Right? Like on these shows where you watch, like... Uh, the, the court shows, you know, uh, knock on somebody's door. I think that, you know, the detectives knock on someone's door. Hey, can we come in? Go get a warrant, you know, and they have to go get a warrant before they can go in. Right. right, right. I mean, this is part of our, this is just ingrained in our way of thinking here in America. Right. Right. Say you get a, a letter from, as addressed to somebody else. You can't open that letter. Uh, right. I mean, that's right. illegal. Right? right. I mean, right. you're not supposed to do that. We have the right to a certain amount of privacy here. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, what, what, the, the Bush administration really ended up doing was saying, you know, like, look, we want to create this system where basically every single thing anybody does digitally can be tracked and recorded and saved indefinitely forever. Hmm. Okay. Um, and they did. I mean, that was that they started the ball rolling in that direction. And this this program and programs plural started evolving and getting bigger and bigger and bigger um i think you know i think a lot of us probably have assumed that that sort of thing takes place right oh yeah sure but, but i mean right do, we don't really know for a fact that uh, like what's the, what's the program called what's the super you know the, the code words and all yeah. that we don't know the specifics we don't know the specifics but right? it's, a, it's a pretty safe assumption that they have the capability to do that at least sure right? and that it's probably happening right yeah, and that's part of what Edward. So his Edward Snowden's book is very fascinating. It takes him. It takes you back to his very beginning. Is his child? It's his child. It really is his biography as much as his philosophical. Like he's laying out everything philosophically and ethically that he believes in. Right. Okay. 
um, and I guess you can say somewhat politically, but I don't think of Edward Snowden after reading his book anyway that as a very political person per se, which probably people are rolling their eyes over this, right? But I do consider him probably a person that uh, is a very moral person. Hmm. Okay, so he has he, I think strong he has moral compass, very strong moral compass. Okay, um, so eventually, he, basically, he becomes privy to all these details. He starts seeing kind of the writing on the wall. He starts seeing, thinking about where this could lead if 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 the Holy Grail is ever achieved. Now, the time at by the time he was um, had had collected all this evidence and had turned over journalists and things. Um, he, he basically at that point had to, uh, he was, he was, I mean, he was done, right. They were, he was like enemy number one of the United States there for a while. Mm-hmm. So obviously he lost contact, you know, his contacts and everything and his job was gone. Everything was gone. He almost had to go on, basically did have to go in hiding uh, for a little while. But, um, at the time he said they were very close to being able to achieving what they considered the Holy grail, which was, just, it was just that, collect every bit of digital information out there, especially mm-hmm. now with our cellular phones or smartphones, they're, it's insane how much information they can get, both data and what they call metadata, right? So it's not just that your data, like you're, say you you make a phone call and they record that conversation, although they, it sounds like they do and they transcribe them. Um, it's not every email you send necessarily, right? That's your data uh, right. and, they'll, and they'll track all that stuff, but it's also your metadata, meaning, where did you get up in the morning? You know, where did you fall asleep at night? They can tell mm. those things. Where, uh, yeah, anyway, it, so it it's all the apps that you use. It's everything right. you're putting out there. Every single thing is being tracked. And these cell phones have become, I mean, the best news for <laughs> any government sure. now that wants to track you. Sure. Okay. So he says they were very close to being able to, to achieving... Um, again, when he calls the Holy Grail, which is to, which is to collect every bit of data possible on every single American and keep it forever, that's the Holy Grail, and there's no doubt that that's what the government was going after. Um, okay, so uh, that's that's what Edward Snowden really exposed. This is the fact that this was going on, okay. both the CIA and the NSA. Okay, but I want to back up a little bit because I think we'd find this interesting. Basically, that he's, I think you would relate to his childhood quite a bit. Hmm. Um, Why do you say that? <clears throat> mostly because he's, well, he's, I guess he's my age. I always think of you as closer to my age than you. I guess you really are. But, you know, he, he talks about the times when he was a kid. It wasn't necessarily interested in computers or anything, but computers weren't really a big deal when he was just young, you right, know? Right, right. Um, and he talks about how the very first time his dad brought home a PC. Okay. You know, plopped it down, much to his mother's chagrin, Right in the middle of the kitchen table, you know, and uh, and he was just amazed that, you know, this this machine you could uh, you could do things with it. You could play these really simple, rudimentary games, and uh, and it was even a color screen. You know, it could it could project like two hundred fifty six colors. <laughs> you know, just amazed by all this stuff. Yeah, and he goes on to talk about like the very first time he got on the internet. You know, uh-huh. so do you remember the very first time? Are you are you? I can't say that. Oh, well, I definitely remember using computers before the internet, mm. but I don't remember getting on for the first time. Really? I think I remember seeing the first like photograph, right? Like like a high density pixel yeah. image, you know, on a computer screen. Yeah, because um, I I mean I definitely remember playing like the uh, those DOS games, right? Where each pixel was like half an inch tall yeah <laughs> um 
but uh, yeah, I don't remember getting on the internet for the first time. Hmm. Do you? Yeah, yeah, I do. I remember the very first. I mean, it, you know, it, it had been around for a little while, but we we were just never in a position. It's not like schools had it yet, or even the libraries had it, or anything like that. But the very first time I got on the internet, I got online. That's mm-hmm. what we call it, right? Uh-huh. On the World Wide Web, um, was at uh, Grandpa's house. He had America Online and the dial-up whole uh-huh. deal, AOL. you know. And I was really into watching Nova at the time, the PBS science show, Nova. Uh-huh. And I knew that, uh, so at that time, um, they, they had just shown uh, one of their documentaries, and it was on what's called the, um, oh, the Thrust SSC jet car. Okay. It, had, it had just broken the sound barrier out here on the salt flats. Okay. So there was this jet car that just shattered the world record, land speed record, broken the sound barrier. I was fascinated by this car, right? And they, and, and they kept plugging their website because, you know, websites are like this new big thing. You know, www.nova.com to learn more about the, the Thrust SSE. Yeah. So that's the very first thing I ever looked up on the internet. I remember going on to Grandpa's computer. He logged us in. The whole, you know, the yeah. dial-up stuff. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. And I had it memorized. I was like, W. Actually, I think you had it at the time. I think you might even had to put in the HTTP colon forward slash forward slash. <laughs> I think you even had to do that. <clears throat> and going to Nova's site and just being amazed by by it. Uh, and there was really nothing you could do. <laughs> I think I was going to say. A really dumb picture of it. Like one small little thumbnail picture. And they didn't, obviously, I mean... Dumb question, but like there was no videos no. or like no, 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 hardly. no, of course not. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's that far beyond what they were capable of at, right. at that point. Yeah, yeah, and uh, um, you know, to, to give you an idea of, uh, there, have you seen the Space Jam website? Have you yes. seen this? Yeah. yeah, how it's still live. Yeah, I think yeah. I went there like uh, less than a year ago. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's for any of you listeners out there that are you know younger, let's say than mm, let's say if you were born in the '90s or or later, okay. <laughs> If you want to see what the internet was like back in yeah. the day, look up the originals. I don't even. Sh- I'm not even sure what the what the web address is or whatever. But you'll find it. Just Google. Just Google. Space Jam. Yes, original Space Jam website or something. You'll find a link to it, and you'll oh, see great. it's still there. It's still live, uh, and unchanged. And that's what the internet was for uh, at the beginning. I mean, that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see what we had to deal with, perfect, and we thought it was perfectly amazing. awful. Oh, yeah. perfectly awful. <laughs> a, ber- a perfect time capsule. Yeah. Yeah. I remember those days so so vividly, um, and I, and so you know I think I was in roughly junior high at the time, maybe seventh grade, mm-hmm. sixth grade, maybe something like that. By the time I got into high school, um, you know, videos were a thing. Now you could watch videos. Still took forever to watch a video, right? But I remember everyone and the word hacker was around. It was cool to think of yourself or to to think that like hackers existed. Like this, it was this cool. Um, little subculture that existed, you know. Okay. Um, and uh, and none of us knew what that really meant. I think there was even a movie that came out called Hackers that mm. was kind of stylized and it looked really cool. Okay. You know? Um, but uh, uh, so in high school, we we learned how to do these little. I, I don't even know what they're called, but it was almost like a little bug that we could send to each other uh, through instant messenger, um, on on the PCs in the computer lab. Okay. And we could just play pranks on each other. Like it kind of hijacked the system briefly. Um, and <laughs> what would it do? So one of one of my one of the ones that it got me. My friend Nick sent this to me. Uh, so he, he sent me this little message. And he's like, click here. So I click. 
and it literally would like hijack the volume on your PC and turn it all the way up. <laughs> and this voice started yelling, hey, everybody, I'm looking at porno over here oh, <laughs> in high school. You know, she's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and it would it'd be yelling this. And, and uh, yeah, we got in a lot of trouble for that. But, man, that was fun. And that was amazing, you know, that we could do something like that. I mean, we felt like we were hackers, you know, like, oh. Yeah. But Edward Snowden, you know, he his 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 experience really paralleled a lot of the same stuff that I sort of experienced, except he t- he went deep dive into the whole technology. Sure. Um, he eventually even got sick. He got mono. Um, when uh, I want to say it was, I don't know, maybe when he was a senior in high school, and he missed tons of school. He was just so ill, um, and that's part of the reason he didn't graduate. Right? I mean, he just okay. he just. Never saw the point. And he always was trying to convince his parents he could learn more from just playing on his computer. He could have a better education just playing on his computer and staying up all night hmm. than he could ever learn in high school. And surprisingly, his parents sort of supported that. Really? Yeah. They were kind wow. of like, well. They're a little ahead of the curve. <laughs> yeah. We're not really supposed to agree with this, but they kind of did, it seems like. you know. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, he just – he got into this and, and he got he got a lot of online friends, uh, people that could help him understand the technology. and. And he really got into this idea that you can kind of create an online profile. And, and you know, when he was novice, he'd ask all the dumb questions he felt like. He'd ask all the dumb technology questions to, to the people out there on, on the Internet. That, and were, everyone's trying to help everyone else kind of learn. Sure. Okay? Um, and eventually he would be embarrassed by the things that he had asked because he made him look like a real newbie, right? So he, okay. he figured out, just change your Profile to create a new one. And okay. Be a whole new Start person. fresh. Start fresh. Yeah. Just how liberating that was. Yeah. You know, and he he started talking about how he's he really started thinking like a hacker, like even even non computer stuff, like in his high school, um, uh, he used like his math class for an example, when the teachers would hand out the syllabi, right, and they would he would say like, uh, okay, the teachers had this, uh, they break down your, how your grade was calculated. Um, uh, you know, maybe ten percent was class um, participation. Maybe twenty percent was homework. Thirty percent was tests and quizzes or whatever. You know, yeah. so he would learn how to. Everything was hacked to him. He, he had to hack everything. Life hacking. Yeah. So he figured out. Okay. Well, if only ten percent of my grade is class participation, then I can go to sleep. Yeah. Because I can still get a B out of this class by not participating, you know. And he's always smart enough. He could just kind of pass the tests and the quizzes on his own. And eventually, he figured out that really the systems are not fair. Because, okay, that's the rules. Those are the rules that they set up at the beginning of the term, mm-hmm. right? But teachers can do whatever they want. Eventually, one day, you know, his teacher, his teacher said, you know, Mr. Snowden, like, I've noticed you haven't turned in any of these assignments. He's like, oh, yeah. And he proudly displayed in front of the whole class. Well, this is why. Because you're, according to your syllabus, you're blah, 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 blah. You know, I, you st- I still get a B, you know. And he thought he was so genius. <laughs> but once he revealed his hack, yeah, all that that teacher had to do was change the syllabus, right? The syllabi. And they, and, and the, the. The ruse, the ruse was up, right? Yeah. The, the game was over. That so he, loophole was closed. So it's really interesting. You see this process happening with this guy, where he eventually he 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 becomes a product of this new information age, and how he doesn't really have any friends. He refers to himself as an inside cat, which hmm. speaks volumes about his personality to me. I mean, first of all, who calls himself an inside? 
cat. <laughs> like that's kind of nerdy, right? That's what they called me in high school. <laughs> Inside cat. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it's a cool nickname. Inside cat? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, he described himself as kind of this pasty white dude who, anyway. Uh, all right, fast forwarding a little bit, okay? He, he eventually uh, ends up getting a job doing graphic design uh, and website design oh, cool. uh, for almost nothing with, uh, mm-hmm. and I think as it goes. Yeah. <laughs> Especially back then. He talked about how back then, I mean, you just, uh, yeah. you, um, you know, companies, big companies would hire you to, to make a website for them, mm-hmm. but you had zero credit for it right you couldn't put your name on it anywhere um and uh and they would pay you just nothing you know i mean it was just nothing Mm -hmm. but he he had this big crush on this uh older girl who was in some of his college classes so okay so he didn't graduate high school okay but he went on straight to college because he was just smart enough to do so and he figured out just take an entry exam you don't actually have to graduate from high school so he just went on to his community college okay met a girl there she's older she was married but he has this big crush on her. So uh, she's looking for, yeah. Scandalous. I know. And so she's looking for people to help her with her company, her and her husband's company that develops websites. He goes and works for her. And it's at this time, and, and they actually live on base. I think it's, I want to say Fort Meade. Anyway, they live on, on base. Um, okay. And it's at this time when September 11th happens. He's 18 years old. And he found it really and this is kind of one of the first little glimpses you have in him becoming sort of disillusioned with um, the government. Because he was very much, I think, a lot like a lot of people are. You know, we're raised... Did you say he was 14? 18. Oh, 18. I think he said 14. Oh, maybe I did. I don't know. 18. <laughs> he's, eight, he's, eight, he's 18. So uh, he goes into work that morning. Um, again, his, his boss you know, lives on base. And um, her husband calls and says... Uh, hey, we, uh, something's happened, you know, the World Trade Centers have, planes have crashed into them, and I guess at that point the Pentagon had been, had mm-hmm. a, a plane crash into it. And, um, and then a call went out, it, it, well, and then this husband says, you know, maybe you should send Ed home, you know, so he, and he didn't really want to go home. But then he found out that the guy who was over this entire base, uh, the general, whatever, said, okay, basically everybody go home, we're closing down the base. And which seemed so backwards to him. He was like, wait a second. If we're under attack, isn't this the last place that should shut down is this mm. base? Mm-hmm. He knew that a lot of it was the intelligence and, and those sorts of things that went on there. And that was the first time he, he kind of, I think, started questioning the wisdom, you know, and the motivations and, and things. And it's interesting because that, that it kind of leads him off this little dislike tick in, in the direction of his... Of his uh, trajectory. Trajectory, Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I could go on and on. The, 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 his book is, is really complicated and it's very dense with details, but he basically, he goes on to, um, get these fancy tech jobs with the government and increasing his, um, security clearance because you get better jobs, better paying jobs, cooler jobs. If you can, can, um, be cleared to, to, to be able to view and, and be a part of classified programs. Um, which by the way, have you ever had something happen to you before where, uh, Somebody's come to interview you about a, a past friend or something. I have, yeah, yeah, me too. That's it's it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I I mean, it's real. It's it, it makes you feel all important. <laughs> you know, it's like they're asking you questions, and I don't know if I should say who my friend was. So I'm not going to say anything, but yeah, I know, but I know who you're talking about. Um, yeah. it, I felt like I was. Uh, I got really nervous. I was like, uh, 
I, I just, I really wanted to answer every question right because I didn't want to uh-huh. get my friend in trouble. <laughs> and yeah, I, right. And I started realizing, like, man, I'm a terrible friend. I don't know anything about this guy. <laughs> oh, really? You know? And Maybe uh, that's why they chose you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. They do. Uh, I just, I realized, I realized how little I actually knew about him, I guess. But, mm. uh, Anyway, he still got, he got the job though. That's cool. <laughs> so my thing was with my friend, we were we were uh, we were scoundrels. Like I'm surprised that they <laughs> yeah s- you were we were. <laughs> so I don't, I'm surprised they sent them to me because surely he had other friends that they he wasn't quite as uh, um, mm, I don't even know what the right word is unscoundrelish with <laughs> you know more, what I mean? more mild uh, yeah. times with. Well, okay. So when I was a kid, this was okay, um, and I want to do this with with the appropriate respect. But you know, Columbine, which was a, a big turning point, I think, in people's um, um, view on on teenagers and yeah, you know, and things like that. And um, okay, Columbine had, didn't happen until I was, I believe I was a senior in high school. Right. I remember the day it happened. It was super freaky. But pre-Columbine, you know, you'd hear about people dropping a cherry bomb in the toilet, right, as a practical joke. And that wasn't something that was necessarily going to be on your permanent record or send you off to prison. Right. Um, and put you on some government blacklist, you know, like you're right. a terrorist. It was just a goof, right? So I grew up really, I mean, grew up up to before I was a senior in high school, pre-Columbine in the pre-Columbine way of thinking. Right. Okay. So I, I'd, I say this, maybe I'm incriminating myself here, but when we were kids, making bombs was just fun to do. We didn't we didn't have really any intention of hurting anybody ever, yeah. you know? Um, it was just fascinating. It was, <laughs> it was yeah, just fun. fun. It makes a big boom. I mean, our next door neighbor taught us how to, how to build a dry ice bomb, right? Yeah. <laughs> our next door neighbor, she was... Uh, a fascinating lady and I remember she brought up with me one day she's like oh, I like to make bombs you may try ice bombs <laughs> I'm sure mom and dad love this you know and anyway I was like dry ice bomb how does that work I've heard of them before and she's like well let's go to the store so she takes me down to the store this is my neighbor you know I'm just hopping in the car with my neighbor yeah. and she drives me down to the store my friend's mom yeah, yeah. your friend's mom <laughs> and uh, and buys us some dry ice and um, um, at, at that time Shasta the, pot, the the soda company, mm-hmm. I remember they had the three liter bottles. You know, yeah, now they have the two yeah. liter bottles. Yeah, yeah. They had the three liter, like a They're jumbo huge. size. So we bought some of the three liter bottles, thinking like, oh, we're. I mean, forget like like uh, working up to a certain you know size. <laughs> we're going straight for the three liter bomb. Um, I'm not going to tell you how to make a dry ice bomb, although I, I've already given you half the recipe. Uh, <laughs> but so we made this thing. We we buried it in the ground, <clears> and <throat> I remember it just it went. I mean. It it was such a loud, violent explosion. It shook our house, even mm-hmm. though it was kind of behind her house, and made this crater in the ground. And I remember Dad coming flying out. I mean, he was terrified. He had no idea what just happened. Yeah. Uh, but it was very obvious. With the look on my face, it was me. <laughs> you know, that I'd just done something. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then eventually, Dad became so fascinated by this stuff, he took us by dry ice himself and help us make them. <laughs> who would have thought though i mean I it's such a simple thing <laughs> it was such a big impact we're probably breaking some sort of policy by talking about this stuff now it's such a sensitive subject which it was probably rightfully so right the, 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 yeah. the current yeah the current uh, atmosphere i get it i get oh, it's such a sensitive thing and i yeah. so i don't mean to make light of it but my point is my friend that they came to interview me about 
Yeah. He eventually became. You're going to stop there, huh? Well, yeah. They... <laughs> Talking about your, your bomb building experience. Well, right. Like, I didn't know. Like, I was like, hopefully they don't ever ask me anything too specific. Because truly, honestly, it was just this innocent, goofy thing we did when we were kids. Yeah. But we were fascinated by it. We were as fascinated as much by the science of it. We genuinely were fascinated as much by the science, the physics of it, as we were of just making a big boom and a hole in the ground. You know yeah. what I mean? It was... I, and this is going to sound You were Jake Gyllenhaal in October Sky. That was our theme movie. We loved October Sky. We all went and sought together. We knew we were going to love it. We yeah. loved it. That was, that was yeah, we were like the Rocket Boys, right? Yeah. That's how we saw ourselves. And we eventually moved from making bomb bombs to uh, to making rockets because it was a more constructive. It was something that was a harder challenge. And it, that's that was our thinking. We never had any uh, bad motivations. But they, when it's okay. So when they came to interview me for this guy... Um, uh, my, my old friend, I thought, this is so weird. I mean, I haven't even talked to him since high school. You know, I don't even know where he is now. So I don't even know why I'm, I'm the one they want to come talk to. And besides, the only history I have with him really is doing all this stuff that is probably the last thing that's ever getting him a security clearance, you know? So, <laughs> but if I recall, they didn't really ever ask me any pointed questions like that. I think they asked me, like, did you ever do any illegal drugs? You know, sure. No, we, we're, you know, Mormon kids. We didn't, yeah. <laughs> we didn't do anything like that. Uh, um, yeah, I, I just remember thinking though that that was so punk rock. I'm like, whoa, he's getting security clearance. <laughs> is he like James Bond, what's happening? Yeah. And then it turns out it's like this totally common thing. You've had the experience. <laughs> My boss that you know gave me some time a break to go interview at work. He says, oh yeah, I've done those like three of those. I'm like, oh, nothing special. <laughs> I still felt pretty uh, pretty cool though. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's it's cool to see like the government be. Like uh, happening, you know, you know what I mean. Sure. Like it's like the stuff you see in the movies. Oh, it's real. Like that sort of stuff really does happen behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like the, the 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 terrorist leader, I can't remember what his name is now, but the guy who was who was over ISIS. They just they there was a there was a special forces raid that just killed him over the weekend. Um, oh, I didn't and, yeah, and uh, they're talking a little bit about it. I guess there's a video even released today of some of, some of the, the goings on. And it's just, it's that kind of stuff that's always intrigued me. The, the, the fact that there are all these sort of black programs, black ops, behind the scenes stuff that goes on in the government. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, let's get back to Edward Snowden for a minute. Edward Snowden really became um, a part of all of this, okay? And it's really interesting because it's... It feels so real to hear him talk about this because it's so boring, frankly. Okay. <laughs> like he becomes this contractor for companies like Dell, like Dell uh, Computers. Um, he's like, even though technically I'm a contractor with Dell, really I work at the government. Right. That's the way that they would, I think, slightly mask some of these programs. Okay. Um, but he eventually finds himself working all the way up to where he's. Uh, He's kind of a systems administrator at the CIA, and he's even there. Like, it's really cool to hear him talk about it. He's there at night when no one else is there at the CIA headquarters, you know. Um, and he's like, as you walk down the halls, the lights will turn on just right next to you and then turn off as you pass. You know, it's all automated Ooh. and stuff. And he's like, he's like, I could literally walk from one end of the headquarters to the gym on the other side and back again and not see a single soul. He's there all alone. Oh, weird. Well, not all alone, but he had like his boss. And he might have been one of just a handful of people in the whole building. Um, but he, he works his way up to um, this incredible level of um, opportunity, you know, and he starts seeing all this stuff. So 
he slowly starts piecing this all together and he describes it in a way a little bit like he, he once watched this documentary and I thought this is a really good description of how um, uh, maps were made back in the day before before GPS and before computers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He said really the way that they were made was people on land would take the old ship's logs and um, information that ship captains had, had logged and they would slowly, methodically, over decades and sometimes hundreds of years, piece together all the information and come up with a basic idea of what's out there, what the islands are like and everything, hmm. you know. And and that's kind of what ended up happening with him. He slowly started piecing these things together and kind of mentally being able to come up with this map of what's really out there, you know. Um, and realizing, A, it's very unconstitutional, <laughs> These this program that must exist, and B, what could be done with this information is really scary when you stop and think about it. So this is where it gets a little more philosophical for him. But he talks about how, you know, he said one of the most common sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for. One of the most common uh, bits of uh, of. Opposition, I guess that he, 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 he hears people say is, well, if I don't have anything to hide, mm-hmm. then what do I care if the government is observing me? Sure. Right, which is a fair, I think, a fair statement. Yeah. Would you agree? I think I've probably said that statement. Oh, I think I have too. Yeah. I'm, in fact, I know I have. Um, and, and he said, he said, you know, to his credit, he said, I, I can see why people would feel that way. If you don't have anything to hide, then what do you, what do you have to hide? What do you have to care about? The right. people that have something to hide are the people that we should care about. We want to have exposed anyway. Sure. Right. But he said, but you, you got to start thinking about it in, in other ways. He says, we have, we have a right to privacy here. Basically mm-hmm. in the constitution that was written back in the 18th century, right? Um, they didn't have computers, but they talk about this basic right to, to, to privacy and how warrants basically have to be issued and things because there has to be a specific reason for the specific person um, or the specific crime in mind for them, to, for you to lose your rights to privacy, okay? Uh, so, oops, I bumped my mic. Um, but that all went out the window after September 11th. That really all went out the window. And what was interesting is he was able to go back and show that Dick Cheney, actually specifically, um, and his lawyer, whoever his lawyer was, he says it was kind of like the Rudy Giuliani of Dick Cheney. I don't know, Rudy Giuliani is the, you know, the big lawyer behind Trump right now. So he says it's like the Rudy Giuliani of Dick Cheney at the time, who was the vice president, um, was able to say, okay, look, if you want to make this program, yes, I think it's legal. But we can't tell the public why we think it's legal. We can't even tell them this program is going to happen. Um, and they put the reasoning why they think this is legal under lock and key and in a safe, and it was just gone. And this program rolls on. Okay, they start they start put, pumping all this money into these technologies to observe and um, every single American period, everything we do to be recorded. And now, do you saved. think do you think it's because of September 11th that I mean? Yeah. September 11th obviously was a, a catalyst, right, to, sure. to launch this. But do you think it would have happened if September 11th Great question. Happened? I was thinking about that earlier today because it does seem to, it, it just so happens to have happened uh, at a time in history where technology had just become uh, kind of this ripe apple, right? 
where our, yeah. our, 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 we were all really starting to get, so, you know, 2001, that's when the internet uh, and personal computing is really finding its stride, right? I mean, it's just, it's just becoming what it's, was, was going to become. Yeah. Um, it's still in its infancy, but I think the thinkers out there could see the writing on the wall the value potentially behind all of this information, which by the way, they say the, the world's greatest commodity now, now it's clear, is not oil, it's mm-hmm. not even money, it's information. Right. As the world's greatest commodity, most valuable commodity. So I see your point. So yeah, like would it have happened regardless? Probably, probably. And he talks a little bit about um, one, of the, one of the rules of thumb in uh in technology is if it can be done then it either will be done or or it already has regardless of asking yourself should we do this Mm -hmm. in technology you just have to assume that if it can be done then it will or possibly already has happened right so yeah you have to ask yourself that question would it have happened regardless i don't know but it does seem like september 11th was the catalyst that really started the ball rolling on, on all this stuff okay yeah so he sees he sees this this program which he feels is illegal, unconstitutional, um, and has obviously been kept from the public. You know, uh, even though I think most people probably assumed something like this was going on, um, he he finally has the evidence, and you know it's a, it's it's super convoluted and drawn out. But eventually he decides, okay, he's worked his way up in all these channels and in government. He actually now has a very cushy job. He lives in Hawaii. He basically lives in paradise at this point, right? He has this really cool job where he works in this underground sort of lair uh, under a secret pineapple field in Hawaii, and it's his top secret and all this stuff, making a lot of money. He has uh, a woman in his life that he loves, and, and um, he, he, I think he says this to illustrate the point. Like, I don't, he didn't do this for financial gain, that's for sure. <laughs> You know, he had so much to lose by doing this, but he felt what he called a patriotic duty to do this. And, mm-hmm. and, and by the way, he, he in his book, he talks a lot about um, his definitions of things like patriotic duty. OK, to him being a patriot, he says, I want to define what I think it means to be a patriot. Um, he says, uh, uh, you know, some people think, well, it, it means maybe you have responsibility and a love first and foremost for your state. Well. He doesn't agree with that. He says, well, okay, so you have a love and duty first and foremost for your nation. He's like, I don't even agree with that. He said, I think you have uh, an ethical, moral obligation and love for the people, the people of your nation. He's like, the people come first. So to him, that's the ultimate definition of what a patriot is, and that's why he says he did what he did. Now, he wouldn't go into any great detail about um, how he actually physically got this information um basically though it came down to him using some sd cards and an old computer that was sitting in the corner that he had used an old computer because uh that's the only way with the old technology he could really access all this stuff and put on an sd card but he talks about as he's going through this process of eventually um literally smuggling this stuff out of this underground lair in hawaii how he would do things like hide them in his rubik's cube these little SD cards. <laughs> he became known, and he did this very, very purposely. Became known as the Rubik's Cube guy, who always walked around with a Rubik's Cube. And part of the reason was because he figured out you can peel back the sticker, and these micro SD cards were so tiny you could put them underneath the sticker, put the sticker back down, and he basically disappeared. 
Whoa. And that was one of the ways that he had him in a sock. He even for a while was paranoid enough. He put him in his cheek. So really, yeah. So if you talk about this double door system, right? He's like, so you have to, to, to leave, you have to punch in a code and you go through this first set of doors and then the door shut behind you. And you're basically in this steel box. Okay. And armed guards are there, you know, and, um, if you don't make it through the next set of doors, you know, like, I, I don't know if you're frisked or whatever, but if there's any suspicion, he said, you're in a tiny steel room with armed guards that will immediately draw on you and you're toast, you oh, know, no. or at least arrested. But he's talking about how he had to really psychologically convince himself to think about other things. He didn't want to act any differently. And he had him in his cheek for a while so he could actually, you know, swallow him if it ever came down to it. But eventually. Did so, he ever swallow him? He didn't say, I don't. Oh, it's intense. It's intense, right? I mean, this would make a, a decent movie. I mean, yeah. uh, there's a lot of details that are super boring, but this is where it starts to get good, right? Wouldn't surprise me if it if it becomes a movie one day. I thought that. I'm like, you know what? That would have to be like a little mini series, and and I don't know, like I could see it like on TLC, you know, the Edward <laughs> Snowden story. <laughs> uh, but so eventually he starts he starts getting all gathering all this information. Um, and he's super paranoid about it all. But then what I found interesting too is he started thinking, okay, how do I release this information? Because um, that's a bigger problem than you might think. You know, He's like, do I self-publish this information? Mm. But he, his fear was if he self-publishes, meaning if he just puts it out there, like builds this super well-hidden site and just publishes all this stuff on this site, he's like, well, there's thousands of sites like this. And a lot of them are all about the aliens and the conspiracy theories and all these things. And he's like, yeah. it would just get buried. It would just be white noise. And I'm in I, the, the the subject matter are all these are all these documents that I've stolen um, that I've ri- I'm risking my life for would be at risk of just disappearing into the white noise. Right. So he says, okay, I'm not going to do that. So then he decides maybe he goes to WikiLeaks, um, uh, uh, which was kind of uh, all the rage at the t- at the moment. Not to be confused with WikiLeaks. By the way, <laughs> yeah, sort of our people get their wires crossed a lot. Yeah, yeah. Just to be clear, everybody, um, WikiLeaks is WikiLeaks. WikiWeek is us. Yeah. And um, I know it's a very common uh, mistake people make out there because yeah. we're so popular. And WikiLeaks kind of copied us. Yeah. <laughs> Just, Just kidding. kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. So he he decides against publishing on WikiLeaks as well. Uh, I believe it was, and I can't remember exactly his reasoning, but he decides not to to go there. Uh, and then he decides, do I go to the New York Times? And he decides, no, the New York Times had kind of committed a cardinal sin in his opinion, where they had sat on information too long about another leak, and um, it kind of became irrelevant. Um, and and he just uh, was just sort of disillusioned with New York Times. So he eventually decides on these these few journalists, and most of them are overseas, I think. Think. Um, one of them was with the Guardian uh, in London, I want to say. Anyway, he decides on these journalists because of their reputation. Actually, because of the security clearance that he had, he researched which um, journalists are on the CIA and NSA's kind of radar, and he picked those specific ones because he knew they were legit. Isn't that mm. weird? Mm. So he started leaking these documents to him, and he talks about how he had to teach these journalists how to do send and receive an encrypted email. Like, they didn't even know how to do that, and he had to send them YouTube videos and stuff on how to do it and how to be all secretive. He turned his car into this roving, like, Wi-Fi finder, you know, setup where he's, he's trying to find unsecured Wi-Fi locations he could use for a brief moment to send stuff. And anyway, this whole process happens, <laughs> right? Wow. Yeah, it's pretty intense. It gets really intense. But what I found, I think, really fascinating was he 
he knew that you that he eventually had to to come to terms with the idea that he was never going to be able to do this anonymously. That's a that's a scary yeah conclusion. It's a scary conclusion. I mean, think about your life, right? You have uh, good things going, right? And he had great things going. Sure. Would you be willing to just go do that? I don't know if I, I don't think I would. Right? Actually, I know I wouldn't. And and that's why most people don't. You know, it's in his position, they have this cushy job. Yeah. Right? It's kind of cool. You're a secret agent kind of guy. You're you're making a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and um, and you're living in paradise. I mean, they lived in Hawaii. You know, him and his team. It's not too too shabby. No. Um, so you're not really incentivized to just uh, just out the government like this because uh, they're going to come at you, right? Yeah. But eventually decided that uh, you know. He, Besides being a do-gooder, what do you get out of it? Right. Yeah. Well, and it was interesting too. I thought of you a little bit when you talked about uh, a portion of this because a part of me thought like, surely you can strip down the data to the point where they don't they they won't know the source, right? I mean, they won't know the source. But you talked about how the government was so secretive, like even in like a PowerPoint presentation. They would go so far as to put these little, um, like encrypted images, or not encrypted. Encrypted is not the right word, but these little, almost like watermarks on the uh, on whatever presentations they sent to different people. So they would know which person had that little image mm. different than this person versus this person. So they could trace they, it back. Yeah. So even if you strip down the metadata, right, which is like yeah. the GPS location right. of where this came from, even right. if you strip all that down. The actual image itself may still hold a code that could tell wow. the intelligence out there that this is who this must have come from. So he eventually just decides, I've got to come be, be public. You know, this I'm just going to... There's no way around it. There's no way around it. So he leaks all this information. And um, to be honest, I don't know a whole lot of the story after that about how he had to come clean and... and, and show who he was but he eventually ends up you know what let's let's read this part let's actually get back to our wikipedia roots here um okay so in 2013 snowden was hired by an nsa contractor uh, booze allen hamilton after previous employment with dell uh, and the cia snowden says he gradually became disillusioned with the programs with which he was involved and that he tried to raise his ethical concerns through internal channels but was ignored and he does talk about that how you know, no one's incentivized to really even hear what you're saying. Besides that, it's way too big. Like, I mean, you tell your boss, like, hey, wait, this is messed up. What's your boss going to do? Right. You know, go to his boss, to his boss, to his boss, to his boss. Wait, it goes all the way to the executive branch of the government, which is the president himself. What do you do? Right. Right. So, um, on May 20th, 2013, Snowden flew to Hong Kong after leaving his job at the NSA facility in Hawaii. And in early June, he revealed thousands of classified NSA documents to journalists. Uh, Glenn Greenwald, Laura uh, Poitras, I want to say, and Ewan McCaskill. Snowden came to the international attention after stories based on the uh, material appeared in The Guardian um, and The Washington Post. Further disclosures were made by other publications, including Der Spiegel and the New York Times. Um, so, as you'd guess, once all this happened, the government came after him, just like you'd expect, right? Um, so, it says, on Snowden's 30th birthday, June 21st, 2013, the United States is his birthday. 
the United States Department of Justice unsealed charges against Snowden of two counts of violating the Espionage Act of 1917 and theft of government property, following which the Department of State revoked his passport. Two days later, he flew into Moscow's uh, Sheremetyev, I guess, airport, where Russian authorities noted that his U.S. passport had been canceled, and he was restricted to the airport terminal for over one month. So he's it's like a Tom Hanks. Yeah, Tom Hanks situation. around. around. <laughs> Would you uh, like to eat a bite? <laughs> Eating saltines and ketchup for a month. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, so as his Russia later granted Snowden the right of asylum uh, with an uh, initial visa for residence for one year, and repeated extensions have permitted him to stay. Uh, at least until 2020. Now, one of the interviews I heard him in, he says he's no longer under the the asylum umbrella. He's it is just a visa, basically like a work visa that he's he's there on. Um, uh, this is in early 2016. He became the president of the Freedom of the Press Foundation, a San Francisco-based organization that states its purpose is to protect journalists from hacking and government surveillance. As of 2017, he is married and living in Moscow. Uh, Moscow, I should say. On September 17, 2019, his memoir, Permanent Record, was published. On the first day of publication, the U.S. Department of Justice filed a civil lawsuit against Snowden over publication of his memoir, alleging he had breached uh, non-disclosure agreements signed with the U.S. federal government. Um, Former The Guardian national security reporter Ewan McCaskill called the civil lawsuit a huge mistake. This is really interesting. Noting that the U.K.'s ban of Spycatcher... Um, 30 years ago, which is a famous novel from, I think, somebody who, who leaked uh, information about the UK government, right? Okay. Um, uh, so, UK ban of Spycatcher 30 years ago created huge demand. Um, the memoir was listed as number one on Amazon's bestseller list that same day. In an interview with Amy Goodman on Democracy Now! on September 26, 2019, Snowden clarified he considers himself a whistleblower as opposed to a leaker as he considers a leaker uh, a leaker only distributes information for personal gain. Mm-hmm. So you really do get a sense of this guy that he I, I I'm trying to stay as apolitical as possible, but you really do get a sense from this guy, everything I've read that he's he really does try to live by the sense of morality that he and sense of responsibility. Um, and I can't really find an angle personally where he really gains anything from this except he he may really just sincerely want people to know what was going on. Hmm. Something else interesting, and so a local connection here, okay? Okay. He talks about, as he was gathering this information, uh, and I think he even sat on it for a little while, um, he's looking at um, these different things that were happening in the news and seeing that there's uh, the, the programs, that, I guess the details of the programs that he wasn't really privy to, are starting to show signs of it's all it really is all happening this holy grail that they're trying to achieve of gathering all information on everybody forever um it's really happening and one of the one of the interesting things that he talks about is he said he he read uh, he find, he he discovered this wired article um i read the same article this is back in i believe 2012 uh, and i just happened to read it i don't know why i don't really read wired magazine um but it's about this top secret NSA facility that nobody seems to really be reporting on except this one wired um, journalist. It's this huge, huge nondescript facility 
four 24,000 square foot um, sections of this building that will do nothing but have giant computer servers in them. And this building receives as much power as like an entire city. Wow. Okay. And just it's collecting data. Just collecting data. And Edward Snowden realized this is exactly what it is. And it turns out it, it, they, they discovered through journalistic means this, is, this was built by the NSA. And this is it. This Whoa. is the Holy Grail. They built it. It's there. Now, where do you think that is? I know where. It's, it's no mystery now. It's, it's documented where this is. Area 51. No, it's in, Bluff, it's in Bluffdale, just <laughs> over the hill. What? Yeah. Just over the hill. I've driven by it. Are you serious? times. You'll notice it when you drive out there. Um, it's right across from the military base there, okay? But it's on the west side of the road when you're driving past the military base, heading out towards like almost like, I don't know, it's when you're passing, you're going through Bluffdale. It's this really nondescript cement building, but you'll notice there's always sheriff's cars parked at all the entrances, like oh. active lights on. And you look at it and you're like, what, what is that thing? But that's it. That's where supposedly everyone's data is being collected everything everything you do it's collected there forever and that's it so try over the hill isn't that weird that's trippy it's trippy yeah hmm so should we start like a uh, storm bluff dell uh, <laughs> yeah i don't want to be responsible <laughs> for that <laughs> yeah <me neither. laughs> yeah uh i want to make it official that i yeah. I do not support that. I do not support any idea of rushing. <laughs> Sorry, I brought it up. Yeah. No. So, I mean, ultimately, it's kind of this fun conspiracy level stuff where, um, you know, the, any of the conspiracies that I've found in history that have turned out to kind of be true are really boring, you know? And, the, and this one really is boring. I mean, a lot of it is just this guy's life and kind of this boring IT stuff. But ultimately, what he was able to discover was that the government does have this spying program where it spies on all of us. Mm -hmm. And are we okay with that? Should we be okay with that? And that is where I found myself thinking about things today. Sure. When, now, one of the things he brings up is he says, he says, you know, a lot of people would say exactly that. What we just we talked about a little while ago. You know, well, if I don't have anything to hide, mm -hmm. then what do I have to worry about? And I can, I can, I can get behind that, that way of thinking maybe. At least I would say I, I, ha I think I have been behind that way of thinking up until maybe today. Hmm. But he says, but he says if if you are are willing to reject your right to privacy, then you're rejecting everyone's right to privacy. Hmm. Which is what I mean by that is, you know, it's, it talks about in the Constitution um, our right, for example, to free speech, right? Well, if you're willing to give up your right to free speech, right? you're kind of saying that it's okay for everyone to have their right of free speech to be taken away, right? Or like your freedom of religion, you know? Maybe you say, well, I don't really believe in God. I don't believe in um, you know, religion. I'm an atheist, you know, so I don't care about freedom of religion, you know? But if, you, if you're willing to disregard that right, if you're willing to throw that away, then in a way, you're throwing it away for everybody, right? So maybe it's not necessarily you that needs that right, but maybe somebody else does. Yeah. Like maybe there's somebody out there who really doesn't want the world to know that they've had this medical procedure done. Mm -hmm. Right. Or maybe there's somebody out there who doesn't really want to know that, you know, I don't know. I don't want to speak for you, but when I was younger, 
I did, you know, that's when I made my mistakes, right? When I was a teenager, younger thinker, who knows what I put into the Google search bar? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm sure there are things I'd be embarrassed about. Uh, But that's when you make your mistakes, you know, you learn, you evolve. And there probably are things in everyone's history uh, that they would be incredibly embarrassed about, right? Sure. So do we have, are we okay with the government holding on to this stuff forever and ever? And who knows who eventually has access to this stuff? And who knows what they'll use it for? Could we ever be wrongfully accused on something that, I mean, it's just out of context, you know? I mean, I wasn't searching for whatever for those things. You know, like, uh, when, when I was a teenager, I wanted the anarchist cookbook so bad. Do you know what the anarchist cookbook is? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> Dad let slip one day. He's like, man, you, it's like you guys should just go get the, a copy of the anarchist cookbook. <laughs> I'm like, well, what? What would you just say? <laughs> Back up. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You know, this is pre-Google. Like, you know, like you got to understand, this information wasn't out there. And my dad was like, oh, yeah, it's this famous book some guy wrote about. It's all about, like, how to make bombs and stuff. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, you can get the public library. I'm like, no, you can't. And he's like, yes, you can. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I mean, <laughs> immediately <laughs> on our bike. So the public library, you know. Uh, and, of course, every copy whoops. of Anarchist Cookbook has been stolen and is no longer in the system. And we're so <laughs> bummed, you know. Um, but then we find out, oh, you can just download it onto a floppy disk, you know. How did Dad know that? That's a good question. <laughs> that is a Dad really, has a secret life. Maybe that we don't it was about. Mom that said that. <laughs> well, that, now that. That would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, I kind of hope no. it's Dad. I picture I picture him having this secret life. I'm pretty life. sure it was Dad. <laughs> <laughs> secret life. When we were kids, I remember, uh, I didn't really know what Dad did. I mean, I knew, I think I was probably bored with the description of what he did. I think he did concrete, chemical, weird construction. I don't. Even, I don't know. Still, to this day, I don't really understand what he did. He I've asked him several times, and he's told me several times, but I, I, I still don't did know. The story change every time. <laughs> no. Oh, that'd be so cool if it did. Uh, I remember we'd always get packages like from them, you know, from FedEx or UPS or whatever, and uh, they're always like in these heavy boxes and stuff. And I remember my friends one day finally asked me like, "What does your dad do?" I'm like, "I don't know." And they're like, "Well, you're always getting packages at your house." And at the same time, <laughs> there are all these news stories about how that's the way uh, they were smuggling drugs was through UPS and FedEx and stuff like that. <laughs> I remember telling my friends, "I'm like, I'm like, yeah, my dad's probably like a, you know, some drug lord or something like that." He's Walter White. Yeah, he's kind of yeah. <laughs> so and they were like, "Whoa." And I said, of course I was kidding, but they never dropped it all through my childhood, my childhood, all through my teenage years. They're like, yo, Rob's dad's a drug lord. So that's cool. I'm like, well, guys, come on. But, uh, guys, probably, I mean, I don't know. Probably. Yeah. yeah. That's where I get all my nice clothes from. <laughs> uh, your jabos. Yeah. Jabos. <laughs> I know what though. I never want, I, hmm, is that going to be an honest statement? You never uh, wanted Jabos? Okay. For those <laughs> of you that so don't know Jabos, we're so off the rails. This is kind of the fun part, though. How long have we been going on this, by the way? I haven't been watching. Me either. Uh, we've probably been going too long. Let's see. I'm trying to look. We're, we're an hour and seven minutes. Ooh. we got to wrap this thing up. Um, boy, well, have we talked enough about Edward Snowden? That I think. Do you, do you have a better idea now of who Edward Snowden is? Yeah. 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 He's an interesting character, right? Yeah interesting guy highly nerdy uh what's that what's that netflix documentary that's on there right now uh like the greatest hack or something have you seen that yeah, yeah is yeah, that yeah. is that tied to this at all Do you know? uh that if i'm remembering correctly that's the one where they talk about our our 
information being yeah. the greatest commodity, right? And yep. about the how it's affected elections and things like that. Yes. Um, and kind of a false yeah. news. Uh, and how Obama used used that, and then how Trump used that. I think that I think that that's really more of the public. Yeah, I'm gonna have to think back on that one. Did I you did watch wa- it? I did. I started it. I didn't get very far. Yeah, it was really intriguing. I mean, um, I'll tell you what. I found after watching that and after reading this book, I, um, I okay. So my iPhone just got a recent update, right? And for whatever reason now, part of this update, I think, is it keeps asking me about all my apps. Such and such app has been using your location in the background. Do you want to okay. continue? Do you, have you seen this? I mean, that happens to me periodically. Oh, really? I never had it happen until like the most recent update for whatever reason. I don't know why. Maybe okay. I changed the setting I guess, or something. Yeah, I noticed, I noticed it a, a surge after I updated yeah. to iOS 13. Yeah. So it's been going on for the last few weeks. Okay. Um, and and I, keep, I keep saying, always allow, always allow, always allow. I'd always... Click always allow. Yeah, I, that's how the app works best. So I'm gonna allow. Sure, it. and I'm fine with sharing my data if it will help them improve. You know, um, <clears throat> but I do find myself now the last mm. few days clicking um, do not allow or only while I'm using the app more. Mm-hmm. I think I'm becoming a bit more paranoid about it. Hmm. Again, not. I genuinely don't feel like I have anything to hide. Yeah. But, you know. I just feel like I feel slightly cheated. You know, it's kind of like, all right, my data is so extremely valuable. And these companies um, and the government have have taken my data, you know, without me really consenting to it. And even if you do pause to read these uh, consent you know, agreements at the beginning of every time you download an app, you know, you have to agree to their terms. Right. Yeah. Even if you do read these things now, I've never once read the whole thing. But my understanding is <laughs> I've read every one. Yeah, my understanding is <clears throat> that they're gonna they're, they just say right up front. They're like, we're gonna take your data and we're gonna use it for our purposes. This is how we make money and this is how we keep the app free. And by the way, any terms you agree to are subject to change without notice at any time by us. Mm-hmm. So if you want to use these apps, you want to use Gmail, <laughs> and you got to use Gmail in this world or, or some form of email. You know, if you really want to be a productive member of society. You have to agree to these terms. There's not really a way around it. And are we just okay with this? I guess we are, you know? But the more I think about it, the more I think, this is, a little, this is kind of crazy. And I don't want to be the tinfoil hat-wearing guy thinking like, but it does, it's starting to feel a little uncomfortable. Every time I say like, hey Siri or Alexa, right? I get, yeah, all my stuff just went on. Yeah, all your stuff just turned on in here. That's funny. I get that realization like, I am constantly being listened to, yeah. which is a little, a little oh, scary. Oh, yeah, they talk about right? that too. Yeah, yeah, the Alexis. We all have microphones in our house now. Yeah. Talk about Big Brother. We've literally purchased these things and paid for the opportunity Signed to agreements. be bugged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, we've paid for the right or for the, for what are we trying to say? Like Edward Stone talks about one of the, when, when he was was overseas and stuff, he comes back for a while and, one, and he goes to uh, some big hardware store and he sees for the first time a, a smart fridge and he was just blown away by this thing that has a screen on the outside of his fridge you know yeah and it's connected to wi-fi he's like why does anybody need this you know um and it turned and, and and the salesperson is kind of um misinterprets his 
stymied dumbfoundedness <laughs> for interest. And, and he comes up and starts talking to him, uh, and he tells him all about this stuff, and how it even reports back to, you know, Frigidaire, whoever it is who made this thing, and helps them improve. So he's like, I'm, I'm paying for the privilege to help this company. It's like a $9,000 refrigerator, you know? <laughs> I'm paying for the privilege to give my data over to this company. But that's what we've become with all of these devices that we have. We're paying for that privilege to give over all of our data and make these companies even richer. It's weird. <laughs> it's but we weird. do that as a society. We've yeah. just kind of collectively said, yeah, oh, this is cool. Yeah. This is a new experience. I can say, hey, Alexa, you know, and then we do. Yeah. And this is un- uncharted territory we're in as a society. Are like, what are there going to be the ramifications of all of this? Right. What's the Black Mirror episode of, of, of this data? Mining? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't want to live my life in a, in a paranoid state or anything like that. But y- you do have to pause and start thinking about this stuff. I think mm-hmm. it's becoming far more important now, uh, or really it has been for quite some time, but it's 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 um, finally come to light to me how important this stuff could feasibly be your, your right to privacy. Uh, and it's just, it's interesting. It's an interesting way of looking at it. And I'm I, frankly, I, again, I'm trying to remain apolitical here, but I'm glad Edward Snowden did what he did. You know, I think I have, when I, when I came into this researching him, um, I think I was a little irritated by this Edward Snowden guy, like, how many lives did he put at risk, you know? Uh, did he expose government secrets that could possibly put CIA agents or these people out in the field at risk? It doesn't seem to me like he did. Now, I could be totally off on that. All he really was trying to do was expose this giant underlying program, you know, that, that the government is spying on all of us and keeping all of this data on all of us forever. Amazing amounts of, da- of data. Amazing amounts. And he just wants... To ask that big question, like, are we okay with that? Yeah. Well, it's a timely question. We need to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> so, I audience, don't know if we have the power to, to change it. It's the the balls are rolling. Kind of is what it is at this point. I guess we just we burn all of our devices and we go live off the grid. And, yeah. And there's our answer. Yeah, we just need to burn our phones. Yeah. Speaking of, yeah, back to Breaking Bad, right? We can't seem to quite get off of that. <laughs> It's going to be a tough one. Let's uh, let's head for the hills. Let's go to the hills of Bluffdale and, and live off the grid. Yeah. Which, you know what? When I drove by there the other day, you know, now I know what, what that place is. And I drove by there the other day. There's an RV park, like, neighboring this thing. You know, and I thought, wasn't well, that the perfect spot to set up a little spy station? <laughs> oh, I'm just parking my RV. Don't mind me. <laughs> right next to the NSA facility. Uh, Edward Snowden, what do you think? Should we wrap there? Let's wrap. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, thanks, guys. Sorry, we got kind of uh, a little bit darker and deeper on that than we normally do and not quite as, as lighthearted, but that's kind of a weird subject. So hopefully you learned something. I learned a lot. And um, let us know what you think. Let us know what you think. Let us know what we got wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's a lot, a lot. Uh, uh, and thanks, thanks for tuning in. Uh, thanks for following yeah. and subscribing. Yeah. All right, until next time. Till next time. Over and out. I think it's going to be our most boring episode to date. It was just me talking about Edward Snowden the whole time. Sorry. Yeah. It was pretty boring. I'm still recording. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's leave that in. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast is produced and released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike license.